following audio is a Sunday sermon from Red Church in Blackburn, Australia. For more information about the church and its ministry, please go to www.redchurch.org.au. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning. Welcome again. My name is Bjorn. I am the uh, pastor of the AM service here. Great to be with you. Uh, I got my uh, happy Father's Day as well. I got my uh, my daughter came up to me as on Friday and said, "Dad, Dad, it's been a while since we've had a barbecue. Can we have a barbecue on Sunday?" And I'm like, "What's your obsession with barbecues? All of a sudden on a Sunday." And it clicked. This morning, I got this beautiful utensil set of barbecues. It's equipment, exciting. My other daughter got me this barbecue glove. It was a, it was a beautiful, really, really exciting. But uh, you think I'd clue one quicker. But they're beautiful kids, and I want to thankful that uh, that I have them. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when. Uh, Terry Walling was here. Uh, if you haven't been around, we had uh, Terry from America come out and share with us. And he was here a couple of Sundays ago down the front. And he was sitting next to Mark. And uh, someone, it was this beautiful moment where Terry just sort of was next to Mark. And he does, Terry does this thing where he just puts his arm around you. And he just sort of gave Mark this bit of a, you know, that, that man hug, that, ah, sort of hug that, that Terry does. And normally when you get his arm around you, it's a bit scary. But it was a beautiful moment. And uh, someone in our congregation actually pointed out how beautiful and fatherly that, that moment was. And uh, it was something actually very special to that person who was watching that they got to witness something like that. And, uh, and like Mark said, in the same way that, that we have... Um, some of us have earthly fathers and we have a heavenly father, but I really just encourage you who have a spiritual father, which Terry clearly is a spiritual father to you and mentored you and being with you, Mark, and that for us as a people to have those people in our life, uh, whether you're Mark and have someone like Terry or if you're a Terry yourself and you're a mentor to someone and a father, spiritual father to someone, uh, it's a beautiful, that hug was a beautiful example of what the kingdom's about. And uh, I just want to say, uh, yeah, it's a special moment for me too. I'm just, I'm just going to pray. Father, this morning I want to say thank you for... Uh, the work that you're doing here, the contending you're doing, the renewal you're doing, the, the ways that you are stirring us and drawing us closer to you. Uh, and I really want to pray this morning, Lord, that, that I may just be speaking words, words that I believe that you have given me, but Lord, that I pray that you speak to people's hearts today, that, uh, that we may not understand what's going on, but you are doing something deep, that you are doing a work, that you are calling us to contend, that you are renewing people personally. And as a result of that, you're going to be renewing people corporately. So Lord, I pray for us this morning as we hear your word that the people here wouldn't hear me, but they would hear you. They wouldn't see me, but Lord, they will see you, that they would know you intimately, that we would be drawn close to you because you are our good, good father. And we love you in your name. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, yes, Terry was out here. Uh, If you don't know Terry, he's a man who has a wealth of lived experience, um, in building and training up Christian leaders. He runs a course uh, on organic leadership at Fuller Seminary, which Mark also teaches at. Uh, and if you were here a, a couple of Sundays ago or you managed to be at Rebuilders, I bet that you would have been encouraged. I would have bet that you would have been inspired. I would bet that you would have been uh, challenged by some of his teachings. And largely, it's to do with Terry's closeness to Jesus. That as Terry has gone deeper with Jesus... As he's gone deeper and known Christ and been through challenges and crushing and pressing as we sing about, that we have gotten to experience uh, 
what God is doing in Terry through Terry. That we, as, as Terry walks in the room, we get to experience God's presence. And I had the pleasure of spending uh, a whole week with Terry. So before Rebuilders on Sunday, on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we had a staff retreat. Um, so three days with him was quite incredible. Friday, uh, the Red Apprentice leaders were, were blessed with a whole day with Terry Walling. Uh, and there was, there was quite a few tears and encouragement there as well on the Friday. I got to spend Saturday with Terry as well through the whole of Rebuilders. Uh, Sunday as well, it was AM and PM service. Got to spend so much time with him. And I have a book literally full of notes that I've taken from what the things that Terry has said. He's got these uh, incredible uh, sayings. We call them uh, the Walling Zingers. They're one-liners that uh, Terry says that really cuts to the heart. And if you ask anyone at Rebuilders, say, what was one thing? They'll have some stuff that they'll tell you uh, that challenges them and shape them. And I really want to encourage you. Terry said that retention happens when we talk about these things uh, and we repeat them and we we practice the action steps that we had. So I want to really enforce that, that if you are here this morning and you're at Rebuilders uh, or you recognize someone or on the Sunday, ask someone, what was something you took away? We want to retain that information. We want to use it and keep working in our hearts the stuff that Terry talked about. But amidst all the things that I've got in this book, all the things that I've been talking to you about and asking you about that, that what Terry had spoken about, the most encouraging thing that I experienced over the entire week was at Rebuilders on the Saturday. Terry had been scheduled to do the afternoon session and he got right into it, cut, if you were there, cut straight to it, got to the depths of the stuff he was talking about and he does that thing where he gets people to turn to people, turn to each other and talk and as they were talking, he came over to Sarah and I and he said, hey Sarah, can you feel, Sarah Bjorn, can you feel the spirit moving? And Sarah and I are like, yeah, yeah, we can. we can. There's a real sense, you can hear the way people are talking, what's happening, what God is saying. And he said, good, 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 because I've been talking. What he was talking about is how our, when the heart is transformed, that the head follows. And Terry goes, man, I've been, I've been talking to their heads the whole time, right? It was, it was a seminar. We've been, we, it was about information about leadership. And Terry goes, I've been talking to their heads. So let's do some worship music. Let's, let's just get a guitar. Let's, uh, let, because God wants to talk to the heart and he wants to transform the head through the heart and singing and worship and praising is an incredible way that God speaks to the heart. And in my, my mind, I'm like, all right, so we've already got rebuilders planned. We've got a schedule done. No one's got a guitar uh, here at all on a Saturday. What are we going to do? We're going to have to get someone. And, but, and I looked at Terry and Terry wasn't kidding. He's like, let's get a guitar. Let's, let's do this. We're making this happen. We want to get people. We've got God speaking to people's heart. And we did, and we did it quite spontaneously. But it was at that point that Terry really cemented something in my head that he had been speaking to uh, the leaders on the retreat uh, throughout the week and some of them, stuff that was rattling around in my head. And it was this, that if today in our new series, uh, that, uh, oops, that if we're talking about new wine, if we're talking about uh, the series that Mark kicked off last week, uh, if we're talking about contending for renewal, which is us just fighting for uh, passionately for what God is doing in this, in this world and transforming people's heart. It's like Mark described as grabbing by the scruff of the neck and passionately wanting this to happen, which we are. If we're talking about contending for transformation, which we are, then Terry says this. This is not a problem of knowledge. This, this is a problem of the heart. For the most part, we don't have a problem here with information. In fact, we often use the saying that we are educated well beyond our level of obedience. 
With the wealth of information we have at our fingertips, especially in Christian circles, we have an endless number of sermons we can listen to. My phone has 58 different English versions of the Bible on it that I can refer to if I want to. Uh, we have Christian bookstalls that are, are full, filled from wall to wall with books about anything from how can you look after your pets as a good Christian, anything at all, you can find it there. And these, these things are good, I'm not taking away from them, but the problem we have isn't knowledge. If contending for renewal was just about knowledge information, if it was about what we know, then we would have seen renewal and revival in Melbourne many years ago. We're a well-informed city. This is not a problem of knowledge. This is a problem of the heart. I always thought about faith as, as having knowledge. I grew up with, you know, once you understand it, you know, when you get it, you understand it, it'll permeate your heart. When you fully understand it, then once I know it, then I will just automatically start living it. So many sermons I heard, it's like, once you know in your head, you just, you just got to let it drop that three feet into your heart. You've got to force it in there and make your heart respond. I never thought about it being the other way around. That when our hearts are transformed and being changed, then the head follows. We just sang in this, this song, New Wine, which is sort of the, the theme of our, uh, of, our, of our series. It says, so I yield to you and to your careful hand. And this line, when I trust in you, I don't need to understand. It's a strange line, isn't it? I don't need to understand. And if you were from the outside looking in, if you were Melbourne looking in uh, with the, the lens of Melbourne, it's like, don't be silly. You're going to trust in something without understanding it. You're going to trust in something without getting all the facts first and critiquing it and looking at it from different angles and getting it down pat and then going, yeah, okay, once I understand that, then I'll, then I'll trust it. You're going to trust in something when you've got it all planned out in your diary and, and sort of you've, you've got this certain path you've got, you've got your sticky notes or you've got a bullet journal with fancy headings or something all planned out because you know what you need to do, but you're going to, you're going to trust without having to do that. You're going to trust in something when you've got that problem at work and you don't know why. You're going to trust in something when you're stuck in that situation you desperately want to get out of. You don't understand what's going on or what you're going to do. You're going to trust in God without fully knowing and understanding everything about him or the situation you're in. Melbourne's like, really? You're going to do that? That somehow if we understood or knew, then we would trust. I like what it says. I haven't got it up on the screen. But I like what it says in James 2. It says... You believe that there's one God. You know about him. That's great. He says, that's good. That's fantastic. That's wonderful that you know this. But even the demons believe that. And they shudder. But James is saying that the enemy knows about God. He knows who he is. He knows all this stuff about him. But that's not helping the enemy live for him. That's not helping the enemy trust in him. It's a transformation of the heart that really shapes us. Proverbs 3.5, it says, who knows what it says? Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's the next line? Do not lean on your own understanding. Philippians, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Well, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I trust in you, I don't need to understand. It's one of my favorite lines in any song. Knowing with your heart, however, is, is 
not to be confused. I'm not trying to say led by heart is to be led by your emotions. That's what I'm talking about here. There was this uh, on my social media feed. Uh, there was, you know, inspirational quotes that people put up. Semi-inspirational. People think they're inspirational. But there's one that says, you know, go with your gut. Go with your instincts. Trust your feelings. You're often right. And someone in the comments wrote, yeah, unless you're a serial killer. You don't want to trust yourself when you're, when you're that inclined. I'm not saying learning is important. I'm still saying things, we need to learn things with our head. God gives us the scripture to mull over and to, uh, to study and to learn. So I don't want to deny information. That's not what I'm saying here. We de- because we can definitely have head knowledge and not have our heart knowledge to go along with it. But it's impossible to have your heart transformed and then for your, heart, for your head not to follow along. Terry does say information is important, with, but without information, the heart can be prone to doing some, some things that actually work against us. But a transformation of the heart helps us make sense. Terry says helps us make sense of that information that's in our head. This is not a knowledge problem. This is a problem of the heart. So how do we let our hearts be changed? This is what I've been just been mulling over so much since Terry said this to me. And I like what Bonhoeffer, I think, really sums it up well when he says this. One act of obedience. Is my heart coming through now? <laughs> I'm trying to go with my head, but my heart gets in the way. One act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. If you came every week, and we had a sermon every week, 52 weeks in a year, two years you could be coming here and listen to something and for it to only speak to your head. But the real power happens when we act. When there's an act of obedience, that what we hear then is not just that, but when we do something, that, that's when it changes our heart. The, most, the verse that I preach from the most on here is the, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, uh, 19. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. That's not what it says. It doesn't say teaching everything I've commanded you. It says teaching them to obey everything I command. It's just not this says teach people stuff. Let's teach them to obey. And sh- surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Obedience, it's, it's not just an act. It's not just a, sorry, obedience is an act. It's not just a thought or a good idea. There's something in the heart that changes in the doing, not just the knowing. We've been talking about revivalists. Mark has been reading so much about revivalists. And one of the revivalists from the 1700s, uh, Jonathan Edwards, he, he said it like this. I don't know if you can read that, but I'll read it to you. Your, your mind can know honey is sweet. People can tell you it's sweet. You've read books about it, but if you haven't actually tasted it, you know with your head, but not with your heart. When you actually taste it, you experience it for yourself. You know it in a full way. You can know it in your heart. That when you taste an experience, you can know it in your heart. But for the heart to change... And this is what we've been really talking about a lot recently. Sometimes it requires us to go to a new place from where we're currently at. This is what Mark was talking about last week uh, when he talked about contending for renewal. And if you, if you haven't listened to that message, I really encourage you to listen to it because it sort of sets up what I've been talking about today and um, what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. He talked about that the input needs to change. 
that we have to make a change. And Mark did it quite tactfully. I'm nowhere near as tactful as Mark, so I'm just going to put it very bluntly. Uh, so just have to, to bear with me. Mark talked about this thing where there is this, in the kingdom of God, there's renewal. And there are three types of postures that we can take. And the three types of postures look like this. The first one, so in the tank of kingdom of renewal, there's three postures. The first posture is us consuming, that we don't put into the tank, but actually we take away. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've been at Red for 12 years. For the six, first six years, that was my posture, right? If, 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 I don't know, if, I know, like talking to Glenn the other day about it, if this was the service, I'd be at the chair right at the back. I'd come in my track pants because I didn't want to be there. Not that if you're wearing track pants, sorry, that's not a dig at you. It's, it was more of, of where my heart was at the time. Uh, I would sit at the back. I wouldn't worship. I'd be playing Angry Birds on my phone. This is a while ago. Um, so, and I, and, I just, and I would sit there, and I would sit there and go, you feed me. My wife, would, we would always be late because my wife would drag me to church. God bless her. Thank you very much um, that you've done that. Uh, but this, is my, this was my posture. I was there, so you feed me. I'm not taking responsibility for my faith. I'm not... I'm not going to, you know, make an effort. I will sit at the back and I will play on my phone until God, you do something, or Mark and Sarah, you do something, or Beth, you do something. I still came to church. I still identified that I was a Christian. You feed me. I don't have to do anything. The second posture. This is me again. Red Apprentice Ministers, the precursor to me being the pastor here, was a training program I had. I was doing a lot. I was putting a lot into the kingdom of God. But at the same time, I was taking as much as I could as well. I was still there. And, and I have to I've apologize to Mark and Sarah many times. I'm not going to apologize again. I spent a lot of that time sitting there going, you tell me. I, I'm happy to run Alpha. I'm happy to look after the services. I'm happy to come and pray. Um, but... You're responsible for my faith. Why am I not growing? Mark and Sarah, I'm struggling. What am I doing? Please help me. Come on, guys. Please, what, tell me what I need to do. Come on. Come on. Tell me now. What do I need to do? That was my, that was my heart there. And, it was, and I, felt, I feel sorry. I'm, I'm going to apologize again. It was, I, was so, I was so consumeristic. It's like I, I'm not taking any responsibility for myself. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was still doing stuff and God was doing incredible stuff for me. I'm not saying he wasn't tearing the flesh from me, shaping me, but really I was still just sitting back and my posture wasn't leaning forward. I was leaning back. The third posture, and this is the posture that I'm not, and I'm still here at this some bit, right? But I'm moving forward towards this posture. This is contending. This is for the kingdom where we're putting in, we're fighting, we're grabbing it by the scruff of the neck, we're contending, we're, we're going for it with all our hearts, we're going with all our mind, we're going with all our soul, we're going for it, we're putting everything in. But to get to this spot, something has to change. Something new, God has to take us to a new place. Because in that middle spot, we can get comfortable there. We can say, yeah, we're doing stuff, but we're not actually taking responsibility for ourselves. It's this third posture that we're talking about. This is contending. This is fighting for the kingdom. This is what Mark Mark talked about uh, last week when he said we're going from consuming to contending. And this won't happen automatically. This requires change. This requires cost. This is a new way of living. This is a new place that God is taking us. This is where crushing and pressing happens. But this is also where new wine is produced. This is where our heads are trans- uh, transformed by our hearts. This is where God is glorified. 
and we are fully alive. I can tell you again, this is not a problem of knowledge. We, we know this stuff. This is a problem of the heart. And we've said it here time and time again that, that, our, our, that we are shaped by our environments. We're shaped by the things around us, that our hearts are shaped by it. That we are in a culture, that where we live and the spaces we inhabit, they're always shaping us. And there's, there's the way we look at it, there's actually no neutral shaping. That when you walk into a room or you, you walk into work or you walk into your home or into church or into a social group, so any space that you have, you're being either shaped towards God or you're being shaped away from God. Our hearts are either formed by the world or transformed by God. We need hearts that are aligned with him. Mark has probably said it in at least four times this year in his messages that uh, nowadays we really don't make any decisions for ourselves anymore. That the algorithms that Silicon Valley have, have finely tuned and the geniuses of marketing and advertising have mastered the science of making us buy things we don't need or do things that we don't even want to do or don't have to do. That what we read and what we hear and what we see, they're all shaping our heart. And you want, we don't even know it. And what I want to invite you into this morning is that when you walk into a space, are you being shaped by that space? Or are you going to contend and shape that space for God? If we're going to contend in an active way, an obedient way, we need to make changes that are going to, like I said, help us shape our heart. Not have a heart formed by the world. If we can know this stuff, like I said, in our heads, but to have our heart shaped, we, we need to make some changes. And like I said, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that um, in how we do that in prayer or how we do that in uh, our conversations. But today, I want to encourage you to change your environment. Throughout the Bible, we've seen God asking people to prepare themselves before God is doing a new thing, to use the word consecrate, to make yourself, which means to set apart, to make holy, to uh, what, we would, what I would call to live Christ's alternative for this world. And I could have said something, nice story here, and said, go into the world and make some changes, and ended my message here. But I actually wanted to give you some examples of what I do and some of the people in our congregation do who are taking what I would just call small steps, Small changes, so they are not conformed to the world, but allowing spaces for their hearts to be transformed and shaped by God. Making small changes in their environments, allowing them to contend well for renewal. I want to make it very clear that some of the things I'm going to talk about that people are doing, this is not for you to go, oh man, I'm not doing those things. Right? This is not about condemnation. Romans. For all those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. This is about invitation. That Christ wants you to say, yes. Yes, I can do that. I can step in. I can contend. I can fight. I can grab it by the scruff of the neck. I can go, yes, I'm going to do this. For God's glory, for the kingdom of God. Not consumed, but I want to contend. And I love telling people stories. I'll be honest, I can listen to 100 sermons, but when someone uh, shares their testimony, man, I'm floored. My heart swells and it's like, man, there's, there's, God is doing work in people's lives. So I just want to tell you some of the things that I've, I've been hearing around the traps. There are a lot of things I don't know that you're doing and I'm really excited about. But, and this is no, by no means an exhaustive list, but maybe it just gives you something to think about. Maybe challenge you in, in the spaces you're in. How can you contend for where you are? 
The first spot I want to talk about is our social spaces. How are we contending there? How are you being intentional about your social spaces? One thing my wife and I have been doing for the last six months or so is anytime we go anywhere, anytime we go for a social event or something, on the way there, we pray. We set up this meeting in prayer. We, we get our kids to pray. We get, we get us to pray. We, we pray. And um, we pray for that God would use those conversations, that it wouldn't be about us, but it would be about him. And that's everywhere we go. When we come to church, we do it. Uh, we prayed this morning, uh, as is before, I, before I came up to speak. Um, in uh, Father's Day, I got my gifts, got my, my barbecue utensils, and, uh, and my, my wife sat there and said, let's pray for Dad. That when we go anywhere, that we, we're, we're, we're setting it up. Right, that we just don't go in blind and cold, but we, we, we go with God into our social space anytime. If you've come to your place for dinner, thanks for inviting us, but it's been, it, we've been preparing anytime we come and meet you. Recently I heard that someone at Red was having a birthday party and they didn't just invite everyone, but they were incredibly intentional about the people they invited. They didn't just invite massive amount, they invited people intentionally so that conversations would occur about God and that they wanted to be uh, very specific about, about the people. So it wasn't a massive amount of people, but I'm like, that's impressive. I mean, you're actually thinking about who you're inviting, who you're, who you're making space for, like that space that you're contending for God in because you want people to see you be transformed and changed and renewed. I loved it. And I loved... Uh, Yes, and the same thing, like intentionally, who are you inviting around for maybe meals or how can you create a space where people feel welcome, that the conversations are intentional? We've got incredible people here at hospital. It's, it's incredible. Beth, when she's out, my wife, when she's out, if you've ever been out with her, she drinks a lot of water, she ends up going to the bathroom. She doesn't just go to the bathroom for the sake of going to the bathroom. She uses that time intentionally. She checks in with God. She goes, how's my conversations going? Am I making this about me? Am I making this about you? It's a regular thing. So um, if she disappears, you know where she's going um, if you're out with her. But uh, that's part of her intentionality. She wants to fight for the space she's in. She wants to contend. She wants to set her heart in the right place. And sometimes there's a cost to contending in your social circles that when your integrity is on the line, that, uh, that you have to posture yourself for the kingdom. I've had to decline invitation to Bucks parties because there's going to be less than savory activities going on there. These are my, my good friends. I've had to say, no, I can't go. I've had to say no to dinner invites because my Sabbath is important. But I've had to say no because if I don't have my Sabbath, I'm not contending for God very well, that I'm not making space and time for him. So the question... Just some ideas. Watch your social circles. What, how can you contend in the places that you are in socially? The second one I want to talk about is work. How are we contending in our workplaces? I spoke to uh, Jeff Tolk last week, and he was telling me uh, from his, his car parking spot to his office, it's only like literally, it's a 40-second walk. But every morning he says that he's praying for his work. He's praying that, that God would use him, that God would use that place, that where we are, we've got to contend, we've got to fight there as well. That, if, that the environment doesn't shape him, but he is using that place and intentionally shaping that environment. I, I used to catch the train. I don't know if some of you catch the train. It's a great time. I used to sit there and pray for everyone in the carriage. I, I don't know if they're following Jesus or not, but I'm praying for them because I, I know that God loves them. I think I told the story. I sat in Nando's once and just sat there. Instead of reading my, looking at my phone, I sat there and looked at the people around. And I was overwhelmed by God's love for them. But I want to fight for these people. I want to contend for this kingdom of God renewal that is happening. Sarah Rasmussen, who I spend a lot of time talking, he's a musician, a professional musician, and rightly should be listening to the radio to know how music works and all that sort of stuff. But he goes, no, I've stopped listening to the radio. 
not there's something bad about it, but I want my world to be shaped when I'm heading to work. I want to be listening to worship music. I want to change what my heart is feeling and, and, and what's going on. And using music to prepare his heart, it's, it's a simple thing to do. I practice silence and solitude in my car. Um, my radio doesn't work, so it helps. Um, so, so, but, uh, but when I drive, it's, um, yeah, silence and solitude when I'm preparing myself for work. I started a new job as well, another example. Uh, and I'm just giving you plenty of examples for you to just sort of, of, of think about. I started a new job, and I knew when I was going to this place that there was a... Uh, it was a bit, you know, gossipy, and there wasn't necessarily great relationships there. And literally my second day in there, this couple of people came up to me and said, so just so you know, this person is like this, and this person is like this. And, oh, you know what, you know, you've got to be careful because this person, you, you know, you what you say around this person. And I had to stop them. Uh, and I said, listen, I'll, I'll let, let me decide about the person. But I said, you know, for me, I don't think actually gossiping is good for my soul. Uh, and I was a little bit taken back, and I was worried that I was going to get a bit of backlash from that. Finally, two days later, I heard around the corner someone going, saying, someone was saying something about uh, someone else, and this person that I was talking to said, listen, actually, I don't think gossiping is good. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing it. You know? And then, then a couple of days later, the same thing happened. I'm like, wow, I've been able to shape the place by contending there. Right? And I, if, you, if, if you know my workplace, um, there are people who become Christians in my workplace. I'm not saying it's me, but the Spirit of God is a work and alive there because we have the power that is with them. Not us, but the power that comes from Christ and the authority that God has given us to go into our workplaces and contend and shape and make a difference so that the world isn't shaping our heart, but we are shaping it. That our heart is shaped by what God is doing. He loves those people as much as, as we do. But again, sometimes there's a cost of contending. Uh, one of our regulars, Lee, who comes here, who shared his testimony. He won't mind me saying this because he, he showed it in his testimony. He contended and he lost his job. But he fought for what he, what he believed in. He wasn't going to take a stand for things that, that weren't of this kingdom. But if you know Lee, that if you would talk to him, that in the crushing and the pressing that happened in there, that new wine has happened. That new wine has been produced. That he has experienced God in a way that he never has. And God has taken him to a new place. Like if you, if you, I don't know if he's here today, but he was just, if you ask him, he will tell you about the transformation that God is doing. Right? Because he is contending, he is fighting, his heart is being transformed. What's your current workplace like? Study space even, or whatever situation you're in. What's that small step that you can take? It doesn't have to be big. That you contend for this renewal. What can you change that means that your heart will be shaped by God and not by the world? Church. How can you fight for renewal here? I love that there are people here two hours before this service starts, setting up, preparing worship, kids' church, hospitality, uh, coffee, yes. They're contending by serving. The guys that set up the space, and I'm part of that team, Alex, who I, who I enjoy setting up with, we sit here and we pray over the chairs that you're sitting in. We're contending for the card, connect cards that you're filling out. It may seem weird. We pray for the pens that you're going to use to fill out. We pray because we want to contend for this space. We want to fight for what God is doing here. Our, our hospitality, and service, hospitality and service managing team, they're usually the last ones to leave two hours after you guys have gone. Cleaning up for the kingdom. Am I doing a shout-out for volunteers? I'm not not doing a shout-out for volunteers. <laughs> Do you know our volunteers park further away so that better spots are left for our visitors? That's contending. Did you know that we have a pre-service meeting here at 9.30? Do you know we have a pre-service meeting at 9 a.m.? There's a few people who meet in the side rooms there. Do you know that during the week there are people who are meeting at Orchard Grove who are praying 
over their service and interceding for what God is doing. Do you know that there are people giving that their time to run alpha, small groups, having people around for dinner, just praying for one another? Like Mark said last night, how can we move from being a consumer to contenders in our church? Things are happening here. The last one I wanted to point out, and this is probably most intimate to most of us, is where we spend most of our time. How can we set up our homes to contend for renewal? We, want to, we always have encouraged people to, we would, if you're new, we talk about this thing called win the day where uh, we get up and instead of just the first thing we do is, is look at what the world says in our social media or news or something, to put that aside for a time and sit and just prepare our hearts by spending time in the Word. And we talk about this, it's called win the day. Essentially, you're winning the day for what God is going to do through you in the, in the day. And what I loved, I think it was Jill Exxon, I could be wrong, uh, who rearranged her furniture in her house um, so, that, so that instead of whatever she was doing, that would mean that when she gets up in the morning, it's actually easier for her to contend. It's easier for her to fight and win the day. My wife made me buy a coffee machine so that she sits there. Uh, it wasn't twisting arm coffee machine buying stuff, but it was pretty, pretty easy. But it meant that, that when she gets up, she sits with a coffee and she, like Daniel, she read, she looks out the window and prays. That's how she contends. That's how Jill contends. If you're talking to furniture, where do most couches in our living room point to? The TV. It says something about where we spend most of our time, doesn't it? That our spaces are shaping us, the way we live and what we do. I'm not saying it's bad. My, my couch's face is always the TV. I suggested to... But you get the idea. You know, we, I, suggested, I suggested to Beth for our house that we build one of these. A 60s-style <laughs> conversation pit. My house is not that big, by the way. It's a lot smaller, so I don't know how it's going to fit. Uh, even for, I was suggesting full 60s decor as well. Um, but how good is that? How good that would be for a conversation or a small group or instead of being huddled around in a small round of TV? But uh, Time magazine in 1967, I think it was, put an article out saying the conversation pit is dead because people kept falling in when they were drunk and at uh, parties <laughs> and that you had to put rails around and it didn't look nice. Uh, so it sort of defeated the purpose. But I, I also read that they're coming back in fashion. But, uh, but you get the idea. How are our homes... I'll let you take a picture, Dee. How are our homes set up? You get the idea. How are our homes set up for contending well? How are we living in our spaces? How are we setting it up so that, 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 that we are letting our hearts be transformed? Sometimes the good thing that you've been doing needs to take, be taken to a new place. Beth and I have been doing Win the Day for quite a while, and uh, we've decided to take another step because we want to contend. After listening to Mark talk for, for weeks and weeks about contending for renewal since, renewal since he's been back from his sabbatical, uh, we've decided to do a contending prayer walk any morning we can. Where if we get up at the same time or whatever it is before the kids get up, uh, we get up, we, we contend, we go for a walk around, the, around our suburb, we pray for our church, we pray for our leaders in the church, we pray for leaders in our community, uh, and we contend and we pray for the suburb of Mitcham. But this is a step we took we want to take because we want to fight. We want to, we want to with all our heart, mind, and soul, we want to push in. This is a, a, a way that we are shaping what we're doing. So when our mornings are start, we start by praying for you guys as well. That's what we do in the morning. But like I said, this is a step we want to take to go to a new place with God. But if you want to know the truth, for us, it hasn't always been like that. It all started. The reason we can do that now is because it started five years ago when Beth decided her time with God was very sporadic and she said I'm just going to get up every morning and spend five minutes 
That's all she did. This was five years ago. This is what she's doing now. But it started with something simple. It was just five minutes in the morning with God. She didn't try and smash out some sort of earth-shattering two-hour prayer time. She just started with five minutes a day five years ago. But she took a step. For me, a big step for me was just going to bed at a good time. If I'm not going to bed at 11, any time past 11, there's no way I'm getting up in the morning and going for a walk. I don't want to walk at the best of times, but it's like, you know, if I'm going to be tired and exhausted, I'm not going to get up and pray. I'm not going to spend time with God. I'm going to literally get up, have a shower and go to work and be rushed. So for me, just going to bed at a reasonable time, it makes a massive difference. It starts with a little step. When we bought our house, we went through each of our rooms and prayed that God would use each of those rooms for good conversations, for his glory. Small step. For the partners in the room, and I can't stress this, this off enough, but, and I've said this time, and, I can't, and I, it's not surprising me anymore, pray with your partners. That's how you can set up your house. This is where Terry would say, turn to someone and say, we need to pray more together. Right? And then you turn back and say, yeah, actually, he's talking to you as well. So we, we have to pray for our partners. Like, at the end of the day, just sit there. Spencer, I don't know why it's so, it's, I don't know why it's so hard, um, but there's something humbling and there's something that just takes a bit of, it's hard to do, but just to sit and pray with your partner, it's a big thing. Our homes are where we spend so much of our time. How are we contending for renewal in those places? I've just given you some examples. Like I said, it's not an exhaustive list. of Home, church, social, whatever it is. Perhaps it's a taste of something that you can do and encourage you and invite you into. Some of these things, like I said, have taken me five, six years to get to where I am. And I tell you, there was a lot of times that I failed and I struggled to do these things along the way. But the whole way through it, and this is important, and I want you to really hear this, the whole way through it, that this hasn't been about just getting it right. It's about my posture and just taking the next step. What is my posture towards it? It's not about you just getting, oh, I've got to do this. The Taipei people are like, all right, he's given us a list. I'm going to bang all those things out and get it right. But it's not about getting it right. It's about our posture and just taking the next step. And if you're doing some of these things already, I want to encourage you and affirm what you're doing, but encourage you also to take a next step. For others, maybe you've never even thought about some of the things and just maybe it's like, oh, I can do that. I also want to encourage you to take another step as well. And contending for renewal is, is a lifelong process. This is not something you do in a day. This is something that we do for the glory of God as he is working through us continuously. Like I said at the start, this is not a knowledge problem. This is a heart problem. The question this morning is for you to be aware of your posture. What is your posture? Which one? Take one step towards setting up your spaces for your heart to be transformed so you can contend for renewal. I'll tell you one story, and then I'll finish. Some of you, if you've been here long, you know my story, the guy sitting up the back in his track pants. And God did something incredibly amazing in my life. And like, it was like almost night and day transformation that God changed me. And I'm like, what is it? And people are asking Beth, like, Beth, what, what did you pray? What did you pray? What, do you, what did you do? Why, what is it like, you know, why is Bjorn a different person? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I actually kind of stopped praying and said, God, I have to give this over to you because I can't pray anymore for this because I don't have the strength to go on. It was almost like when she surrendered 
her heart to God had happened. But we were like, man, this, we were incredible. What it was it? It was a gospel transformation. And it happened, I believe, because uh, there, was, there was a book I read and some sermons I listened to. And people were like, man, Bjorn, what's this transformation that's going on? Why, why are you so different? I'm like, read this book. This will tell you everything you need to know. And how many? We bought like 50 copies of it. Right? I've probably given one to some of you here. You've probably got the copy of Galatians for you. This book for me that I read it and every single word on that page transformed my life. I'm like, wow, what is this? It's like I've never heard this before. And I gave the book to people. And people are like, that's a nice book. That's all right. That was, yeah, okay, yeah, no, I see. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're talking about. Cool, cool. Let's go for lunch. So, and it was like, no, 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 but did you not read? Did you not know and hear and understand what, what it said in the book? It said, this, you know, Christianity, you know, following the gospel is not, you know, just the ABC of how you become a Christian. It's the A to Z of how you live. And I'm like, wow. And people are like, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, what's going on? I said, listen to the sermon series I listened to uh, by my favorite preacher. And they go, why are you listening? The guy just yells. I'm like, yeah, he's so passionate. He goes, he just yells. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm like, what's wrong with people? Why are they not being transformed the same way I am by this book? The whole time was me going, here, let me speak to your heads. Read this book and God will transform you. But you know what I... You know what I did? And I looked back and I realized what it was. I thought it was the book. God used that, used the intellect, and then he helped shape me. But you know what I did? I just took one small step. I used to run a Monday night prayer meeting. No way I was going. And I don't know why, but I said, hey, Beth, I might go to the prayer meeting tonight. Beth like, literally fell off her chair. She's like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I went, and there was an hour of silence and an hour of prayer. And this hour of silence was just boring. <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Like, I'm looking around people, they're reading books, they're taking notes. I'm like, oh, can't wait. And then the prayer times comes, and I don't, I'm not going to even know how to pray. And these guys are praying. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be quiet. But I'm just going to keep going. And I went again the next Monday. And I went again the next Monday. And the next Monday. And the next Monday. And I think I missed two in the whole year. But that, for me, I realized I looked back. It wasn't me reading a book and going, my heart has been transformed by that. It's because I took a step. It's because I just, when I took that step and I sat there and I didn't know how to, now I love, it got to the end and I loved the quiet time. I was disappointed when it ended because I was just praying and my heart was transformed. But it's because I took a step there and I sat there and God did a work in my heart. I could have given the book to hundreds of people and not a thing changed. Because this is not a problem of the head. This is not a problem of knowledge. We've got knowledge. This is a problem of the heart. So the invitation this morning here is for you to look at the spaces and to contend and to fight and grab it by the scruff of the neck and say, yes, I'm going to contend for the kingdom of God. That's my invitation for you this morning and I pray that God has spoken to your heart this morning. Father, this morning, come before you. You have done a work in so many people here and you continue to continue to do a work, Lord. But I pray this morning as I've spoken that you are speaking to people's hearts, not just to their heads. That, Lord, that, that there is nothing I can do to transform anyone's heart and I don't want to. I want you to, with your power and your time to speak to the people here. Lord, you are at work. You are, you are calling for renewal. You want personal renewal. You want corporate renewal. You want us to go deeper with you. You will want us to fight. You want 
to make us aware that in the crushing and the pressing, you are producing new wine, that you are taking us to a new place. And when we get there, you're going to take us to another new place. And when we get there, you're going to take us to another new place. You're going to keep taking us there, Lord. I pray and I desperately want to contend for the people here this morning, Lord. I get on my knees and I pray. I get on my knees and I pray, Lord, for your kingdom, for your renewal. Pray for the hearts of the people here that they would be softened. Pray for my own heart that it would be softened even more. I want to see your glory here. I want to see it in your name. Amen. We're going to move into a time of ministry. I want to encourage you. Sorry, Simon. I want to encourage you to, to come down and spend some time and really seek God for who he is and ask him to help you contend. We don't do this in our own strength. We do this in God's strength, but we can ask him, how can we shape our spaces? How can we make them holy? How we can make them good so that our hearts can be transformed by him? So we're going to, there's going to be people to pray. You want to, one of your hearts move, you've got to take a step of action. I encourage you to go and get prayer from people. Take that step, let your heart be moved. You may not understand it. it may not make sense as Melbourne expresses through, but he wants to work in your heart. He wants to do a work that you may not even know, but he's doing something deep inside of you. I just want to point one other thing out as well this morning. When we take communion, I love that we're respectful and we queue up in these massive long lines. But as we get a bigger church, it's going to be harder. This is a round table. You can come at it from any angle. You don't have to be polite. If you bump someone, it's all right. But just come down, take communion, get on your knees and beg God for what he's doing. Contend and fight. You're not doing this alone. We're doing this together. We fight together. So come, take communion. Seek someone for prayer and ask them. We don't do this alone. We... We do this together. So my prayer for you guys is as you come down and you take communion, God will speak to your hearts. Make sense of what you learn in your head. Let it be moved by him in deeper and deeper ways in his name.